You don't control what people do. God's my defender, so if he doesn't defend me, I'm not worth defending. Sometimes things hurt only because I'm protecting a part of my heart. If it were dead, it wouldn't hurt. Never miss a chance to die. All right, would you welcome to the stage Pastor Bill Johnson, the mighty man of God. Well, we did this last year, and it was so good. Everybody really enjoyed it. This time we brought communion elements in the room because you talked about communion, and you talked about taking daily communion. Pastor Bill, how has this year been for you? How, we haven't got to talk in the last year much. How's it been? How's the year gone? Good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> like all of us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, most uh, most challenging year ever. Wow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe walk us, whatever you feel like sharing, maybe walk, like walk us a little bit through your year if you feel like talking about it. Uh, oh, dating back to maybe the winter of 2023 leading up to now the winter of 24. Um, well, the, uh, the most obvious, uh, my, my wife died a year and a half ago. And uh, so that leaves a mark. And uh, just uh, just navigating that, especially that with family and and uh, you know the kids and grandkids and all, just navigating that part of our life now is uh, <clears throat> is a pretty big deal, you know. So, yeah, that's been. There are parts there are parts of the story that are just uh, you know there's it's just glorious, and then there's just the challenging part of just having you know, loss and what you do with loss, you know, how, how you navigate that. <clears throat> yeah. If, if you can't, if you can't navigate loss well, you can't be trusted with gain. So it's, uh, we are, we're actually trained through, through adverse situations. Uh, we're actually being trained for the opposite, you know, N navigating criticism is what helps you to to receive praise in an honorable way. Navigating betrayal helps you to value good friends. So, yeah, it's training, it's all training. Yeah. We're, you know, I think we're, I think we're in a real good season. You know, we've got so many really great things happening, but just on a personal level, it's been the most challenging ever. You know? <laughs> I just want to say thank you for saying yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Because hearing you say that it has been the most challenging year of your life, I think makes all of us humbled to be in the room with you. Oh, goodness. That you would come through a year like you've come through and say yes to come and speak in Tulsa at Victory. Oh. Well, I just feel really honored, and I want oh, you goodness. to know, I think all of Thank us you. feel really honored. Thank you. That you came. Thanks. Um, wow. Coffee. All is right with the world. Is, Come on. This, this Take is, a drink of that coffee. This is revival in a cup. Come on, Jesus. I was telling our uh, other guest speaker this morning, so we have five kids, and so I need a lot of coffee. I need a cup of coffee for each kid um, each day. <laughs> but we had our first kids' basketball game was this morning at 8.45 a.m., but we have three basketball games today. So we had, we had Benny's at 8.45 Mac 
was at uh, it's at 1 p.m. So it's it's in the gym. I might slip in there for five minutes and come back. Yeah, you um, and then Liam's was at 10, so I had to miss it because it was during the conference. But uh, my wife's here on the front row. I didn't know you were going to make it. She she just came from a funeral. Uh, her uncle passed away, wow. her dad's brother, and so she was just there honoring him. Um, but we, we've had, we've, we've had a busy week, you know, we, we lost one of our close friends on staff. He passed away last Thursday and we did his funeral the day the conference started in the building. And it was like very emotional. Then we went right into our leadership dinner that night. And so, um, I think when you were talking about the the good, bad and ugly, (laughs) it's amazing how you can have a great victory in one area and in the same season be battling something that's not easy. Talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Well, life stinks if you just look at what hasn't happened. But if you keep your heart fixed on what he has done, what he's saying, you know, you'll you'll be all right. You know, because there's there's always enough promise for anything you face. He He already figured it out. You know, it's just it's just learning to wait and to listen, to pursue, take risk, all of that when it's time. You know, yeah. it's uh, there. There's nothing that we face that he hasn't thought through, and uh, it's just the, it really it comes down to the element of trust. Um, if if I'm focused on how well I hear from him, then I'll make it about me. But if I'm if I focus on his ability to raise his voice when I need it to make sure I hear. Then I make I keep it about him, and that's really the really the whole issue, the whole navigation of life is just it's an element of trust. How much do I trust him? And uh, and he'll you know he'll 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 remove his felt presence uh, from Hezekiah. He backed away from him, not as punishment, but just to see what he would do. And so he'll take us into situations, you know, he'll lead us into conflicts. Um, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, but not to shame him, but instead to obtain another victory. So he only takes us into difficulty that we're prepared to win. So if you have that overwhelming trust and confidence, you know, if I become anxious, then I forget the tools he's given me. If I stay in peace, then I'll remember the tools and know he actually prepared me for this battle. So it's, it's, it's just some of that you know, the internal world where you, where you don't panic, you don't get anxious. If you get anxious, that's a bummer. Yeah, you don't, we don't do as well. Yeah. When you, this year, coming into 2024, what do you like to start your year off with when it comes to a fast or prayer or maybe even how you start off the year with your Bible time. Is there something that you have a rhythm for at the start of each year? Or what do you like to do? You know, I, I don't really do anything different than the rest of the year. This year we did start with the fast at the church. Uh, and that was real, real special corporate prayer gatherings that really were really, really moved me deeply. Mm-hmm. But typically, typically I don't change anything. You know, I'm just, I, I just like new beginnings, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy to turn the page of that chapter and get a new one going, you know. Come on. So there's always that, there's always that hope and anticipation, you know. So that's, uh, 
that's that's pretty significant. It, we we all are faced with stuff where we have loss and disappointment, all all that stuff. You know, we we all have it happen in our lives. <clears throat> um, and so, uh, mourning uh, mourning well is a huge part of life. Because mm. if I mourn well, I encounter the Comforter. Blessed are those who mourn; they shall be comforted. If I don't mourn well, uh, Mark 16, the disciples, if I don't mourn well, I go to unbelief. And, uh, and what makes the difference between the two is if I mourn with hope, it'll always take me to comfort. If I mourn without hope, it'll always take me to unbelief. And unbelief is a partnership with the spirit, with the demonic realm that wars against the things of God. Wow. So just, you know, we, we don't get to choose sometimes the circumstances we face, but I get to choose how I respond. And so just maintaining hope is pretty significant. Mm. Yeah. Would you say in the last year, there's a couple of highlights that you look back on over the last year and you go, even though it was a really hard year, there's two or three moments that you look back on and go, that was, that was a special moment. Maybe it was with your family or maybe it was at the church or maybe it was traveling, speaking. Do you have a couple of those oh, moments? Oh, there's lots and lots and lots. Our lives are filled with wonderful things, you know, with family and friends and what's happening in the church and just the experiences and stories, you know. I mean, overall, we're just, we're, we're just blessed to be alive and be a part of the family that we're a part of, you know. So the overwhelming thing is, yes, it's, it's wonderful and glorious. On a personal level is where I've had... Uh, some more challenging things, a few, few of the hardest things I've ever faced, mm. I've faced in the last year. But that doesn't, uh, you know, problems don't redefine him. You know, he, he stays the same, so he's worthy of the same response as if I just won the greatest victory ever. Mm. So he's, he's worthy of that kind of a, a, a approach, you know. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah, there's there's so many so many things that we've you know experienced as family family life, um, and the church. You know, there's so much happening that's that's wonderful. You know, just uh, it's our leadership teams are getting stronger and stronger and healthier, and, and uh, so there's there's just a lot to be thankful for for sure. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been remodeling my house. I haven't been remodeling. I've been paying people to remodel. <laughs> and, and it's been going on for five and a half years, so wow. it's, uh, it's flying at the speed of cash, you know. <laughs> and I, I just, I've just got one more room to go. Come on. So, but I just finished, uh, I just finished, these people just finished my uh, master bedroom and bathroom and and it's just, it's heaven on earth. It's, uh, Come on. Yeah, I wanna, should be. I want to have a couch in there and just stay there. You know? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Never want to leave. <laughs> it's so nice. Now, uh, let me ask you this. How long have you lived in your house? Uh, for five years. Yeah, so you all years. have had it for five years. Yeah, we bought it and just started gutting it immediately. Yeah. Okay. And previous to that, were you guys in a house for a long time or no? Yeah, uh, I think it was 10 years. Okay. Yeah. And do you enjoy, is it hard to stay in the house with all the memories with your wife and family? Or have you found grace being in there? You're like, I want to stay here for a while longer. I don't want to sell Oh, it's this. not hard. Not hard at all. No, nothing about, uh, uh, the, the thing with, uh, with Benny uh, going home, 
Um, I can talk about any part of it at any time. I have zero hesitation, and there's no, there's no regret, no remorse. There's none of that stuff. There's loss, you know. There's uh, somebody huge is, is missing from my life. But, uh, but no, there's no, no problem whatsoever. Uh, the, the memories are good memories, and those are gifts. And they don't, they don't have to take, at least for me, they don't have to take me you know, on a downward spir spiral. You know, I'm just thankful, thankful yeah. for 49 years, and wow. and uh, it's good. Come on, Jesus. It's good, yeah. So, no, the memories are good, yeah. Now, you like to hunt, too, right? I do. Did you take a few hunting trips I, in 23? Oh, every year. Come on. Yeah. What'd you get this past year? What was one of your favorite highlight hunting trips? I I got a real nice uh, muley buck in uh, Nebraska and another whitetail in Texas. That's this year. And which one did you enjoy more? Oh, well, the muley was pretty significant, yeah. It was up, up in Nebraska. It was just cold and windy and nasty. And How Now, you're like hiking and waiting and following this. What, what is it that you got? A, a deer. Uh, oh, okay, but the way you the way you said it, I'm muley. like, is it a deer? Or? Muley, sorry. A muley. Mule-tailed deer. I mean, okay, so I'm not a hunter, tail. so I feel really dumb right now. You know, I got it. But but, but for you're all the trying, hunters in the trying, room, though, trying. I'm trying my best, guys. I'm gonna get out there. Yeah, you're trying. That's all right. I I I killed and conquered. Yes. Yeah. 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 I have a lot of meat. Do you like? the hunts that take more time where you're you're out there in the cold you do you have to camp out to follow it or does it all happen in one day no we're there for days you're following Generally. you're camping out in the tent yep. no we're, no we actually have accommodations that we ar arrange yeah okay yeah 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 we our favorite hunt i take my boys to montana most every year and we have nice yeah, it's wonderful what did they get this year well, we didn't we didn't do the trip this year, so next year, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, Come on, yes, it's the will of God for my life. Come on, and is this is this like a bear hunt no, up there? No, it's all deer. It's all deer, and there's some elk too. So we'll elk. see see how that works. You know. Have you ever gone and gotten a bear? Yeah, grizzly. My no, not grizzly. My granddaughter. My granddaughter. Well, how old was she? 14? 13. 13. She was 13. She shot her first bear. What? Oh, yeah. 13-year-old girl shot that bear? My grandson, uh, Gabe's, uh, uh, one of his sons has gotten a couple bear. Yeah. Got one that's just nasty big. Yeah. <laughs> so now you've got kids and grandkids spread out. Eric and his wife, yeah, or yeah. Candace, are in uh, South Carolina. Yep, yep, Greenville. And then you've got, the, are the rest of the kids in Reading? Well, there are two kids. Uh, uh, Eric has one daughter in L.A. and then one in Greenville with her and her okay. husband. And the rest, uh, no, no, Brian's oldest, Haley, is in, uh, she's married and is in Nashville. Okay. We have an office there. Uh, Bethel Music does. Okay. And then the rest are in Reading. Yeah, so it's 11 total. Okay. So there are eight in Reading. Okay. Yeah. What's something you're excited about in 24 that you're sensing in your spirit, maybe for the church or in your own life? 
Just seeing promises fulfilled. I mean, that's, you know, the whole promised land concept for Israel is our, is our lifestyle. It's constantly stepping into fulfilled promise. You know, our destiny is fulfilled promise. We were designed for it. So that's, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I've got several things that, uh, you know, that the Lord has uh, spoken about that I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, fulfilled. Yeah, aching for them, you know. Come on. Yeah, yep. Are you working on a new book? Yeah, it's due in 10 days. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was on the plane riding in the back. The, the back row. <laughs> yeah. Would you be open yeah. to telling us what's it yeah. about? It's on or? the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how close are you to finishing it 10 days out? I'm about 21 days away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm scrambling. Yeah, I'm I. Let's see, I'd be thirty. I've got to write at least another ten thousand words. Fifteen would be better. When you write a book, do you? Is it different every single time, or is it is it pretty much kind of the same process each time for you? Um, it's mostly the same. Uh, I, I, I will approach differently a, a little bit um, on how I put the information together. Sometimes it'll change. Sometimes, sometimes I'll write a chapter and just really wait for the direction of the next chapter. Mm. Other times I'll take the whole book and just have building blocks so that I understand where I'm going in each sequence, so you're you're building a case, so to speak. So I've done it both ways. Um, I I think I I think I like just having the inspiration for the next chapter, because it's how I it's how I minister when I talk. So I I don't have a a, a plan as much as a try to be tender to what he's saying and doing. Mm. So I'm I'm I mostly write that way now. And do you find yourself preaching what you're going to write before you write it, or do you find yourself writing things that later on you want to preach? It goes both ways, but most of it is uh, is gleaned from what you know what we've already experienced, what we've already what God's given you revelation yeah, yeah, on yeah. to share with the ministry. If you're faithful with that, usually in the process He'll give you more stuff. You know, mm-hmm. He'll add to it. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a fun part of it is you get to learn too. You know, mm. yeah. How many books have you written? I don't know. <laughs> a lot. No, well, it's a few. Yeah, it's quite a few, but I don't know how many I haven't counted. Do you have a book you look back on and you go, that one was my favorite one, or are they all your favorites? <sighs> we got a Dreaming with God favorite well, over here. My typical response is Dreaming with God, I think, is the most underrated book I've done. That that uh, I think is a significant book. What do you mean underrated? Like it just didn't get as much. Oh, it, it's done well, but a lot of people don't know what it is. You know, if it's dreams in the night or what it is. So the title is accurate, but it doesn't show totally what it's about. Mm-hmm. So some don't don't read it that 
would love it. So, my when my wife read that one, she said, "Honey, that's my favorite book ever written in all time." And, and then I wrote hosting, hosting the press, and she said, "She said, I'm sorry, hon, but dreaming with God is not number two. So, <laughs> she loved hosting yeah, his presence. Yeah, yeah, and and dreaming. Yeah, yeah. When was your first book that you wrote? What was that very when, first one? When When Heaven Invades Earth. That's yeah. the one that I read. Yeah, I read it when I was in college. Okay, a man named Jerry Horst. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gave it to me, invited me up to his house up in Pennsylvania, Lancaster. Yeah. And he, his son was at ORU with me at Oral Roberts. And we went up there to do a bear hunt. And um, I didn't get any bears. But I got really touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And Jerry had a group of uh, intercessor, intercessory prayer warriors from yeah. their church come over to their house, and there was a group of us college-age guys there. And they just prayed for us, laid hands on us, and they gave each of us your book. Wow. And I remember reading it on the way back from Pennsylvania to Tulsa. I was like 20 years old. And I was like, wow, this is really rich. This is really deep. This wow. is really... It was probably one of the deepest spiritual books I had ever read because most of the books I was reading were not like that. So yeah. when I read it, I was like having to really reread a page. And I was like, do I understand what he just said here mm. for my life and for, you know, what God's called us to do? Maybe talk a little bit about that book. And then from that birthing Bethel church and what God has done through the ministry. Most people here know all about it, mm. but there may be some who don't. Two very tiny subjects. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time. I'm going to go to my kid's basketball game. No, <laughs> yeah, wow. You're answering all my other questions in like 30 seconds. I was like, I need him to talk for a little bit longer yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Throw him a piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the first book was a real process because I... I had, uh, I'll, I'll back up into a little bit, bit of the story because you wanted me to take more time. Um, <laughs> take your time. I, uh, I had, uh, I, I wasn't a great student in school. So I, I, I mean, I got good grades and I was able to pretty much fake it, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't learn a lot of the study skills, stuff like that. And, uh, and so I, I didn't have very much confidence in writing. Uh, the three things I hated most in life absolutely hated most in life was speaking in front of a crowd, writing and reading. It's called divine humor. <laughs> and uh, I avoided all of those uh, like the plague. But I had this desire as a young man to write and, and I had no place to put it because I wasn't gifted or skilled or trained or anything, you know. And uh, but I, I had this desire and, and I just started praying. It just it just wouldn't leave me. And so I would I would pray and pray and seek the Lord on whether I should write. Today, if, if I were to have something like that happen, I would just pursue it until he either empowered it or redirected. But I didn't know then, I didn't know quite what he was like or how he would respond. So I just uh, I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, and one day he uh, he woke me up in the night with his voice. <clears throat> he woke me. It was as clear as my voice is to you, maybe clearer. He said, Isaiah 
30, verse 8. That's all he said. <laughs> I woke up and I opened Isaiah 30, verse 8 in the morning and, and it said, now, go and write. <laughs> so that was fairly clear. <laughs> so I just started, I knew I couldn't just sit down and write a book, so I just started writing uh, like 300-word articles for our church bulletin just to exercise writing. And I had a couple writers in the church uh, that uh, that would help me, and they would uh, not grade me, but they would give me input and feedback and lots of encouragement, actually. And uh, so when it came time where I felt like I needed to put a book together, I started like, you know, uh, like 50 or 60 chapters, mm -hmm. which is too much for a book. But they weren't fully written, just ideas. Some were pages, some were statements. And, uh, and I remember I spoke, uh, Randy Clark and I did a conference in uh, Georgia, in our, and we both had many sessions <clears throat> in this event. And when I was on the plane flying back, I realized the sequence <clears throat> of sessions that I did, I think I did five, five sessions, <clears throat> the sequence, the information that I shared in those five sessions was the outline for the book. Mm. And so then I was able to look at the 50 or 60 and put some aside and pull some out and then begin to form. So I had a skeleton. And that really helped me a lot. It helped me to, to, uh, to kind of capture the message that we had been sharing, is that the kingdom is present. It's here, it's now. Mm. Uh, you hear the statement, the kingdom now, but not yet. It's a very powerful statement because it, it points to the future reality of the coming kingdom. But most of the time, uh, Christians use that to tell me what, what we can't have instead of what's available. And, uh, and just in history, there's so much more breakthrough that your church has experienced than we have experienced. That um, he promised the glory of the latter house to be greater than the former. So things don't decline, they increase. And so the whole posture of the church was, you know what, let's just, let's just take risks. Let's just see what's possible. Let's, uh, let's see what may, might be possible in our lifetime just by taking a risk and just by believing God. And so we, we, began, to, we began to form this culture. In fact, that when I first got to the church, I said, listen, I, I understand that a, a lot of you, uh, you, you need things to work well the first time we try something. Mm -hmm. And I said, I will make you really nervous because that's not how I function. And, uh, and there's a lot of great churches in town. And uh, please don't feel like you have to stay here. You know, I, was, I wasn't trying to get rid of people. I was just trying to let them know, listen, you, I, I get it. I get, I get that I make people nervous. <laughs> and, uh, and so you, you, you won't be you know, thought of evil or whatever for leaving. So we have this uh, approach. If you take uh, like Apple Computer, they have uh, manufacturing part of their company, and then they have research and development. And manufacturing, your core value is zero defects. You don't want to recall 400,000 iPhones, you know, and have to repair them. So the whole mission to have zero defects is huge. But research and development, you have to find out what won't work. And failure is actually written into the process and if you're, not, if you're not failing, you're not risking, and you're not discovering. And so research and development for us was ministry. Manufacturing was character. So we want integrous people 
accountable people pursuing the Lord, developing relationship, and let's live as much as possible with zero defects. But when it comes to ministry, if you don't have an element of risk, then you're not, you're not exploring enough to see what God would do. And so we actually require our students in our school to fail. If they don't, if they don't fail, if they don't miss it now and then, then they're not trying hard enough. And, uh, and then uh, we don't want to graduate them or let them go to the next year. So uh, we, want, we want them to get it wrong while they're with us so they know how to clean up their mess. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of folks, you know, they pray, for, you know, for something to happen. It doesn't happen. They blame the person they prayed for. Or you just didn't have enough faith or something. So that that stuff's not allowable. So we we want we want people to we want people to take risk. So that's really the nature of the book was was let's just see in everything that I've done since then and all of our teams. You know, we've got thirty some authors I think at the church. All of our teams. That's what we've been doing is just trying to push the risk envelope to see. What he would honor, you know, trying our best to learn. Sometimes you have, you know, it's really a great luxury in life is when you have people that you're that are mentoring you that know what they're doing, and and they train you and they, you know, give you oversight and you're accountable. You experiment with them, and that's the great luxury. But we've had to a number of the things we've been uh, uh, committing ourselves to learn. There was nobody there to teach us, so it just means you make more mistakes. But uh, but when you hit when you hit gold, you hit a really good vein of gold, and uh, and that's really been the the joy for us as a team is really seeing the Lord honoring that uh, that element of risk. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's huge huge part of our huge part of our life. It has a lot to do. Uh, the next book I went on to was uh, Transform Mind. And it has a whole lot to do with the renewed mind. The renewed mind is really the basis for a whole bunch of stuff. You know, the faith doesn't come from the mind, it comes from the heart. But the renewed mind is kind of like banks of a river, creates the context for faith. And so that's really what you, you work to do. Every day of our life, Jesus is trying to change our way of thinking. You know, help us to see from his perspective. So that's, uh, that's the, the journey, the cycle of books. And uh, just really the journey of the church. All, all I've tried to do is catch what he's been teaching us, saying, and get it in book form so we can reproduce it. So beautiful, powerful. Would you say, when you were talking about you, you expect your students to fail in the <laughs> first year, you want them to fail. Mm-hmm. And if they don't fail, you don't pass them. Is that right? What does that look like? What do you mean by that? Well, obviously, it's not moral failure. It's not right. ethical failure. It's none of that stuff. That's that, that's nonsense. Yeah. But you know, uh, one of the things uh, that we've done is we'll take. Let's just say we've got this room here. We split you in half. You pair off one on one, and we'll say to the people on on this side of the room, "All right, we want you to get a word of knowledge for the person you partnered with," and you've got uh, thirty seconds or ninety seconds or something to do that. So get something about their life that you couldn't possibly know in the natural. And we give them 90 seconds. I said, now give it. They give it. When they're done, we say, how many of you got it right? They raise their hands. We cheer. We say, how many of you got it wrong? They raise their hands. We cheer. It's amazing. So you, you can't, you, you have to push into some things. Yeah. You know, and uh, we're, we're just way too comfortable with how we do stuff. 
you know, what we say is we don't want to, uh, you know, bring uh, shame or something to the name of the Lord, but it's usually about us, mm. you know, not wanting to be embarrassed for getting something wrong or whatever. Mm. So obviously we don't like mistakes, but we also know that there's a certain there's a certain edge that you have to be willing to live on to uh, to really see breakthroughs. Mm. You know, I what happened in my life, I I was raised in in uh, in Pentecost and my I mean I'm a fifth generation pastor on my dad's side, fourth on my mom's. <clears throat> and so my my uh, my grandparents, my grandfather was uh, uh, a painter. He was a pastor as well, but he, you know, he worked with Amy Simple McPherson and helped to decorate her home. And <clears throat> my aunt was baptized in the Holy Spirit with Wigglesworth and a lot of these famous names from years ago. My family, you know, were uh, were influenced heavily by that. I, I think a great grandfather was. His name is in the Azusa Street. Uh, uh, magazine and and uh you know so rich history in 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 supernatural things but i didn't see it you know in my life and i'd gone to Catherine kuhlman meetings and uh, mario morello and stuff like that and would see uh wonderful things happen but i kind of had this thing develop in me that you had to be a special person Mm -hmm. to see you have to be a special person a special call a special gift and then you could function in uh in the in the power of the lord and um, and I, I wanted to so much. I'd read the books. I'd get all fired up, and I would, you know, pray for the sick, for example, for a period of time, and and never saw anything happen, you know. But I'd pray my best prayer, and and I would fast. I'd pray. I would do all all the right things, but just didn't see anything happen. And um, and I I took our, our, about five or six of our leaders down to Anaheim to the vineyard to a John Wimber conference. And I've only had this happen one time in my life, but I sat there for those four or five days, whatever it was, I sat there, and every single session, the stuff that was taught, I had already taught before, and strangely, even some of the same illustrations. Wow. And it was, it was, it was a weird experience, and, and it really convicted me because they had fruit for what they believed. I just had theology. And I was praying for people, but I wasn't... It was more like, if if you want prayer, you come to me, I pray for you. I didn't look for problems. And what I came home with after that week was these guys take risk. They don't take, you know, they're not stupid. They're not trying to draw attention to themselves. It's not about that. It's just about looking for opportunities for God to be glorified. Because he's glorified in the miracle, you know. These signs Jesus did manifesting his glory, John 2. So when I got home, I had a different mindset. So I was there until, I think, Saturday. We came home. Immediately, the power of God showed up on Sunday, and we started seeing healing that week. Same week. Same week. uh, The the week I got home. Same week. And I didn't do anything different as far as uh, my theology didn't change. We just, first of all, we were in an atmosphere that was contagious. You know, it's like the opposite of COVID. <laughs> you want them to breathe on you without a mask, you know. 
and it just it literally just just got on us and we just started praying started seeing breakthroughs so there was an impartation first of all secondly we we upped our willingness just to take risks for God to be glorified and it started that week yeah and that was my own personal journey so so having years of nothing and then one slight change and having breakthrough that that shouted to me yeah, yeah. Something that was coming to me when you were talking was just knowing when to lean into the Holy Spirit prompting you to, <clears throat> for lack of better terms, I feel like capitalize on a moment and recognize like this is not the time to preach. This is the time to lay hands on the sick. Right, right. This is not the time to sing another song. This is a time to open up the room for prophetic words. So do you, how do you, how would you encourage us in the room, me in the room to know those moments and to recognize, you know, that that is a risk, but it's a risk worth taking. You don't know what's going to happen, but you, that's how you make room for the supernatural to flow in the service. Those those moments are are so special. Luke five says, "And the power of the Lord was present to heal." The power of the Lord was present. The person of the Holy Spirit. He is the power of God. The power of the Lord was present to heal. So the implication is he could be there for another reason. And so our job, anyone in leadership, our job is to recognize his, I, I, I need to have better language, but this is how I describe it. Our job is to recognize his mood. Why is he here? Mm. Why is he here? What's, what is on his heart in this moment? Mm. Because sometimes, you know, if you have a bent, for example, towards healing, and you have this sense of uh, it's time for people to come to Christ, He'll still honor it and people will be healed because he honors his word. Mm. And there'll still be things that happen. But when you move into the healing moment, when it's one of those, the power of the Lord is present to heal, it's not work at all. I mean, it just, it just starts happening. And uh, so I can, this is the wrong way to put it, so I, I need to have better language for it, but I can force it. I could, we start praying for people right now and people would be healed. It doesn't mean that's what we're supposed to do, but it does mean he'll honor his word if I'll throw it out there. Mm. So a lot of people think that when a miracle happens, it's God's approval of their life. That's not true. You can have an unbeliever. I, I know of a, a, a guy years ago, he, he was real resistant to the gospel. He had a wonderful wife, godly wife, and he was at work in one day, at one day, and one of his coworkers asked how to get saved. So he led him to Christ. He, he wasn't even born again. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. So the Lord honors his word, you know. So when we take a risk and pray for somebody, yeah. But when you sense those moments and those things, I'm going to put it real, make it real, real harsh maybe. But what you don't want to do is to try to develop an intimacy with God for the purpose of ministry. Yeah. 
Yeah. We have a name for people who are intimate as a profession. What we want to do is develop an intimacy with him that's a lifestyle. Then you can be trusted with those moments in a corporate setting. And so the whole thing is the intimate, the tenderness that we have with him for um, you know, swinging by this person's workplace just to, just to say hi and to say, hey, I was thinking about you. It's those little moments. It's the, the, the touch to make that phone call or to, to not watch this, but instead to go pray or to, you know, whatever it might be. To, it's just those tender little moments that seem to be so insignificant. Those are the moments that build our lives. And it's in those moments we learn his mood. We learn his, what he's thinking. And um, I, I, I never am extremely confident in it, to be honest. It's always a risk. Yeah, there, it, yeah. It's, I, I, a, f- a few times he's made it so clear, you know, it's like the handwriting, handwriting on the wall. I mean, it's there, you can read it. Mm. <clears throat> but most of the time it's real subtle. And, uh, and it's just, if you're, the subtle things, if you're leaning into the Lord, I don't know how to describe it better. <clears throat> if I'm leaning into the Lord, I'm desiring his presence. I'm desiring to see him do whatever he wants. I'll do whatever he says, uh, including doing nothing. You're just leaning into the Lord. The subtle things become louder. When you're waiting for him to come to you to impress you with a direction to take, it doesn't come so easy. So it's, it's literally the anticipation of his movement that helps you to dis- discern the subtle things. Mm. And, and oftentimes when you, when you move with that subtle impression, the voice gets louder. But it starts with you taking a risk with that subtle, subtle impression. And then all of a sudden a momentum starts getting created that's much easier to follow. But it, it just doesn't start that way. First off, thank you for taking time to unpack that and not just 30 seconds. Thank you for giving the full, giving us the full package of the answer. Um, I don't know if he's in the room. Is Jordan in the room, our security guard? Get him, because what he just said happened last year. Reading the mood of the Holy Spirit, what you just said, you know, we always hear speakers talk about read the room, read the room, read the room. And I think there's an importance to read the room. But more importantly, there's an importance to read the Holy Spirit because the room might be feeling cold or unfriendly or unhappy with the direction of the the message. But at the end of the day, you want to flow with the Holy Spirit more than the expressions and the body language and the moods of everybody in the room. Last year, when he comes in, let me know. Wave at me. Last year, we were in a service. You were speaking at conference this time 12 months ago. And you felt a flow in the moment from the Holy Spirit before you preached. It was at the beginning of your sermon and at the end to pray for people um, who were in different types of sickness and disease that you begin to call out, words of knowledge. Actually, you had team members call it out. And when he comes in here, just send him up to the front real quick. Get him quick. Because you had some team members begin to give words of knowledge. Jordan, come up here. Jordan 
He didn't know I was going to do this. Um, so before Jordan was our security guard, Jordan came to Tulsa this time last year from Boston because someone wanted to get him on track for God's purpose for his life and told him, you got to get to victory. You got to get to Tulsa. I'll let you say it real quick, Jordan. Then I want Bill to just talk a little bit about what happened, Pastor Bill. But last year, something happened in your life. So I came from Boston, Massachusetts. I grew up a little bit in New York. Um, I had a football injury. Femur was just done. Got cut from college. I played ball there, was playing football, lost my scholarship, lost everything. Um, But prior to that, I was in a very bad way, like drugs, alcohol, gang affiliation, all that stuff. And a friend of mine, Lucas, said, hey, I love you. I care about you. He's known me since I was a child. He was like, I need you to come to Tulsa. And I was like, where they ride horses and cowboy hats, all that. Because I'm a, I'm a city guy. Like I'm like, he's like, yeah, just come out here. And I was like, I don't know about all that. Then there was a situation where it got, it got heavy. People started coming all sorts of way towards me. He's like, come now. I'll buy a ticket. You don't like it? I'll get you a ticket right back. I said, bet. I get here. Pastor Paul preached the message. I started feeling a conviction, but I didn't know. I had no knowledge of Christ, nothing. But I felt something. I gave my life that day to God. Still had my injury. Then conference was right next week. And you said word for word, God is saying that there's going to be restoration of bones. And I had a bad injury in my femur where every time I get up, it started cracking and popping. I was in discomfort. I had to sit a certain way. And my buddy was praying, and you had said, lay hands on someone who needs restoration of bones. And then he started praying, and Miss Alita was right by the side over there. And then my buddy was praying, and I was like, man, like, I don't know about all this. So then I used to get up a certain way, like turn over to the side and lean up. I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I got up quick, and he looked at me. He's like, did you not just see that? And I looked, and I was like, what are you talking about? And I realized afterwards that I had just been healed. But then you had called me up to the front, and you whispered in my ear, and you said, God didn't just heal you for you to be physically healed. He healed you so that you know he's real. And ever since that day, my life changed. It's powerful. That works. so then he goes to our bible college after that signs up goes through victory bible college and um and then this year how long ago did you come on staff jordan oh wow we hired you fast (laughs) but he's an awesome staff member and a great security guard and has a heart for people and for the ministry. And he's, I mean, this testimony though, I think I'm so inspired by you, Pastor Bill. We all are. Thanks. I'm going to get teary eyed, but I just think you set an amazing example of being led by the spirit, not being confined to time limits and, you know, the opinions of man, uh, 
and you you do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And it's evident that God is blessing it, the fruit of it. It's not just, I think that's the part that I really want to pray through is how do you know in a moment that you're not forcing something and you're leaning into that unction of, I don't think we're supposed to stop right now. I don't think we're supposed to stop the worship. I don't think we're supposed to go into the next part of the service. Or like you said, you're not in a church service and you feel, I'm supposed to go over to this person's house. Right, right. You know, to be really, <laughs> full disclosure, the way I learn is by getting it wrong. You know, I'll stop a service and afterwards go, yeah, I, I missed it. I missed it. I could tell. I can tell afterwards. You have that. You have that unsettled feeling that it. It. It was good, but there was more he wanted to do. And then there are times where I take it past what God was doing, and uh, and the Lord honors always because He honors His word. But you can tell, the the grace for that divine moment lifted about twenty minutes before I did, and. Uh, and and that's how that's how I learn honestly. As I look back, uh, if you can if you can look back without the guilt shame, and just try to learn from your moments, you go okay. Uh, I've had times where I've overshared. I've said more than I was supposed to share, and it, and I had that almost like a dirty feeling afterwards. Mm. Um, Same. And and I and I think God, I don't want that to happen again. I, you you've got to help me to see that moment before now you know 20 minutes afterwards I, I i need to i need to have greater clarity so help me to be more sensitive to what you're saying what you're doing and uh yeah so you you learn from it you learn from your you learn from your mistakes you learn from not getting it right um and if you can see it you're halfway there if you can see i missed it what should i have done different i don't know I don't know what I should have done different. I just know I should have done something different. Just that much right there helps you be a bit more. If you don't lose the willingness to risk, if, if, if that brings about fear, uh, what we do is we, we give uh, wrong things noble names so that they stay in our lives. Uh, we call fear wisdom. Wow. <clears throat> and then it gives it permission to stay, keeps the voice going. But if we can avoid that, and, uh, and just be tenderhearted and say, God, I want to learn from this. I don't want to duplicate that same mistake again. Mm. Then, uh, then you're halfway there, you know. And, mm. and then you just, learn, you just learn to listen. And, uh, and sometimes, sometimes, to be really honest, sometimes at the end of it I go, I don't know if that was right, and I don't know, I don't know if I missed God. I don't know if I nailed it. Just use it, please. <laughs> you know, please do, do something with it. You know, it, that is my loaves and fishes. Please make it work. You know, wow. but I but I really want to do just what you're doing. I just want to say what you're saying. So if you keep that in front of you, you know, uh, I, I don't know that we all I, I'm not a very good. Uh, per, uh, I, I don't grade myself well. I, I don't know that I see clearly. Uh, there are some moments that I thought, you know, stunk and 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 afterwards I found out it was really great. So I obviously I'm clueless. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years ago we had two young men come to Christ, and and uh, and one of them I I, I I just watched them as they walked through repentance and stuff, and I was so rocked by one guy, and the other one I just didn't know if he would make it, and that was Danny Silk, uh, who is now one of our main guys, the, the guy that I didn't know would make it, 
is is doing quite well, changing the world with his uh, his stuff. And the other guy, uh, haven't seen him much. So so my discernment, I just don't trust myself. Is is, is what I'm trying to tell you. <clears throat> is that I swing and miss a lot. So yeah, <laughs> I just try not to be too impressed with my opinion. It's <laughs> good. It's really good. What would you say to someone in the room who feels called really to step into a greater level of ministry and moving in the supernatural and they don't know where to begin? They don't know their next step. What would you encourage them to do in this season? Well, there's, there's so, many, <clears throat> so many important things to do. Uh, be around people that carry the anointing that you that you long for. Mm. Uh, there's it's it is contagious. There's something there's something that happens in our lives by just associating with the right people, mm. and just realize that sometimes you get to function under the umbrella of somebody else's anointing. You actually get to taste of their gift as though it were your own. Mm. Just don't become prideful and think that you've got it all. Just mm. just realize that you're learning. So that's that's an important thing. Another thing that's important is uh, is learn to pursue God's grace on your life where you're already planted. Mm. Uh, you know, I think traveling and ministry is important. I think, for example, people I encourage people all the time go with Randy Clark to Brazil, and it'll change your life, and it does. I mean, you see more miracles in a week than most people see in a lifetime. Mm. In fact, sometimes more in a day than people see in a lifetime, thousands sometimes. Um, So it's extraordinary. And those experiences really help to raise the faith level, the anointing level in our lives. But there's another secret part of ministry that uh, isn't talked about a whole bunch. And that is, uh, the scripture says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. So in other words, the place you're not going to be honored is at home. And that's why the Lord has us start there. So we won't be addicted to applause. We'll be addicted to the anointing. Come on. We'll be committed to what he says to do and not, uh, not do what we do for recognition. Because you won't get it at home. And if you, can, if you can learn it there, be practical there, pursue in your own where you work, your business, whatever it might be. You know, if you, can, if, you're, if you take the most familiar place and learn it there, then you have something transferable. It'll work anywhere. That's really good. What would you say, just something that the Lord's been teaching you in the last year through the good, bad, and ugly? Um, I listen to your sermons often. I'll go and listen to the podcast. And um, there was several this past year that I was like, wow, this is a word for the whole church. Um, Is there one in the last year that you're like, God gave me some important, revelation on some things in the last year that would be healthy. I mean, you might even be preaching on it tonight, so I don't want you to feel like you got to unpack it now if you're planning to do it tonight or tomorrow. But maybe is there something that you would be open to sharing from that? Hmm. I I feel like a, a broken record, to be honest. I feel like I've been teaching the same things for so many years. Um, but there, are, it's like an onion. You know, he peels back another layer of the onion, so you go a little bit, a little bit deeper into a truth, and you start learning it at a at a more challenging level. Um, you know, the whole thing of strengthening yourself in the Lord is really huge for me, and has been for 
35 years just trying to learn what that looks like. So that's been important. Uh, navigating uh, life in the middle of great triumph and great loss. You know, those are the things that are, are really significant. I'm, uh, I, I, I spoke this last week on, on uh, just our relationship with the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. And it was uh, it was something that really moved me moved me deeply and seemed to move the people perhaps more deeply than normal. Um, real challenge too. He said, "It's better that I go." Mm. And I've wanted so many times in the last year to have Jesus sitting across the table from me in the flesh to have conversations with, because I've told him I've told him at least a dozen times I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I what I'm doing. I need I need you to help me to know what to do, and I found myself longing for something that he said was lesser than what I have. It's like Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. So that means then there's something that he's deposited in my life that I've not yet learned how to access, because he actually said it's better. So then that that kind of launches you on a journey of discovery. All right, what is it? You know, it's it's so easy to see the surface level of a truth, acknowledge it, and never go any deeper. You know, it's so easy for me to look at the surface level, talk about it. Somehow when you talk about a truth that you understand in measure, it eases the conscience from having to pursue it more. It satisfies the curiosity to our you almost have this sense uh, that I understand it when you don't. So that's that's where I find myself, is I find myself in coming back to the same things that I taught quite a few years ago, but he's peeled back another layer. And and I, I have to I have to pursue it as a novice, I have to pursue it as a child. If I if I pursue anything as an expert, I've just I've cut off my level of development. So the way I like to state it for our folks is what you know can keep you from what you need to know if you don't remain a novice. That's really yeah, if you don't stay childlike in your development, then, then uh, your present revelation will actually keep you from what God wants to add. Mm. Yeah. So staying, just staying uh, tender, you know, and those things is, is huge. And so that really is the overriding, the overriding theme for me in this season. You know, my life is just, just making sure that I stay simple. It's a simple gospel. It's not complicated. And then and staying tender. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. I also love your sense of humor. Oh. You start your sermons off with a couple of jokes, and I literally will... Pause the podcast, write that joke down. I'm like, I need to remember this. This is funny because I want to use it on our church. And, exactly. I, uh, and I'll go back and listen to it because you, you just share some really funny stuff. And you'll occasionally post some funny stuff. Um, the post you made on San Francisco, the, the, the stuff on the sidewalk. Um, <laughs> what's going on there? Is everything all right in San Francisco? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's, that's part of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. 
Maybe talk, though, a little bit about the humor, because I do think um, something Pastor Sammy Rodriguez said when he was here is that some ministers take everything so seriously, and they're so tight and just, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I, I like that you are, you're lighthearted, but you're deep, and you're in the sense of, like, you know people need to laugh. People need yeah. to loosen yeah, up yeah. in church. Maybe share a little bit about that for all of us in this room, why you do that. Um, humor is just, uh, is honestly one of our core values. At Bethel. At Bethel, yeah. Just get people yeah, laughing. We have to, well, it's, yeah, it's not just laughing at funny things. It's, it's just laughing through life. It's, yeah. it's just the whole, the whole process of you know, laughing at ourselves, you know, laughing, just enjoying the journey because... You know, it says that Jesus had more joy than all of his companions. So he had more joy than everybody around him put together. Mm. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's what the scripture says about the one we're following. And I don't know that it was him telling jokes, but it was, it was, it was just the approach that he had to life. And I think, I think it's, it's just better. I've, I've gone through seasons without it. Um, I used to be, uh, you know, in growing up, I, you know, I'd be more the class clown than 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 anything and and then when i when i said my absolute yes to follow jesus i stopped all of that and uh and i found through the years that uh it wasn't good it wasn't good for me i got i got too serious for my own good and i still can be you know and so one of the things that helps me is just being able to to be with friends that make you laugh and 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 uh, and and do that together, you know. Yeah, it's it's important. It's important. I think I think it's. Uh, I think humor is a is a unrecognized weapon. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it dismantles religion. Come on, Jesus, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, humor humor flips tables. Come on. We need more of that. We need more of that. Um, you're obviously speaking tonight, tomorrow morning. Is there anything that you'd want to pass on to this group that, you know, a lot of people in this group for this lunch um, have a connection with you, with your books, with your voice, but also have a feel, a calling in their life on ministry. Um and I feel like everything you've been sharing is so rich, but we have about 10, 15 minutes left before we close out. Is there anything on your heart you just want to pass on to the group today? Hmm. I could make something up. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Something, something that we talked about last year, for those who missed it, is you talked about how you will take communion Yep. On your own. How often yeah. do you take it? Well, I try every day, but I forgot to bring the supplies with me on, on this particular trip. So, we got supplies. Yeah, I saw that in the back when I walked in. Yeah. <laughs> it made me happy. We got you covered. It made me happy. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned something last year that really stood out to me, and I, I started doing it over this past year. Um, by the way, you lit something really good in our church last year, just wow. being here. Wow. Just your your. Uh, your influence touched us in a strong way. We we experienced some really powerful, just Holy Ghost, wow. like flows in the Spirit services over this past year, yeah. more than previous years. Yeah. 
we had a couple of times where we just went hours and hours and days and days just staying in the presence of God. And our school, our kids, like prophesying, praying for each other. It was beautiful. And I, I think, obviously, it's the Holy Spirit, but it's also God using yeah. people he brings into the ministry to stir up something right. and say, okay, hunger for this, Paul, lean into this, yeah. Ashley, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things you said last year in the luncheon was you'll take communion to pray for people who have persecuted you and yes. Bethel and have yes. talked terrible about you. Um, I never forgot that, like, and I'll never forget that because I think that is a powerful practice to take communion and pray. I know you shared it last year, but there's probably a good chunk of people who are here in the room that weren't here last year. Would you mind just talking about that one more time? Yeah, not at all. Um, uh, Lou Engel, one of our favorite people, I consider to be one of the most important persons in the, body of Christ, uh, he came to, uh, he, he called me one day uh, before my wife died, and he said, uh, he told me a, a story, he's had a series of experiences, he said, he says, I have this word, uh, there's to be a communion revival, and there's a revival that will sweep the earth, and all of that, and it's connected to communion. He said, I would like, I would like it if it's possible for me to come to Reading and have your wife lay hands on me. She wrote a book on the power of communion that is powerful. And, um, and, and so I said, yeah. I said, you can. I said, uh, come. She can only handle maybe 10 minutes, uh, 20 minutes at the most, of having somebody there because she was getting weaker. Mm. And, uh, and so he, he said, uh, you know, he says, uh, in a heartbeat, I'll come. And so he came, and uh, we sat the three of us together, and then he had my wife, Benny, pray for him. And, uh, and we, we prayed together about this thing of communion. Communion um, has been uh, an increasing part of our life. Uh, it's been uh, something we've tried to do frequently, I won't say daily, but frequently for, for a long time. And, um, and we, we started, uh, I started uh, taking communion frequently and taking the bread and just, uh, I like to make certain confessions, proclamations in communion. And so I'll take the bread, for example, and I'll say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. I think, uh, I think it's one of the keys to divine health. And um, it's not a magic pill. It's introdu- introduction to a kingdom that functions differently than, than the natural world around us. Mm. And so we would take that and receive it as his body, not just as an emblem, but... Uh, Jesus said, take this, this is my body. So we just, on a very simple level, that's how we approach uh, taking communion. And so I just will say something to this effect, Lord, I receive your body into mine. And, uh, and there's that partnership with his suffering in that moment. Uh, he was broken for me. Um, oftentimes I will, I will honor him for, God, you were broken. Jesus, you were broken so I could be whole. You became empty so I could be filled. You bore affliction so I could be healed. You were despised so I could be celebrated. Mm. You were rejected so I could be accepted. You went low so I could be high. You became poor so I could be rich. 
I just acknowledge all the things, all the aspects of the cross, his suffering, and, uh, and then partner with him. Then when I take the cup, I pray for my entire family, by name, each child, grandchild, spouses, all of them. And, uh, and from that place, I move into prayer uh, oftentimes for those who, have, who publicly teach against me, write against me, uh, against the church. Um, I just added a new person to my list this last week <laughs> because, because of some YouTube videos I saw. So I, 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 I made the list. I made the list. I'm in there with some of my friends. So I was, I was very encouraged to, to be targeted in that way. But uh, um, seriously, I, I've got uh, five, six, six names, I think, of people that I bring before the Lord. And, uh, and I, I thank him for them, I genuinely thank, because what they're doing is they're putting themselves at tremendous risk because of their yes to him. Mm-hmm. And to what they know, they are opposing me to protect people from their view of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so while I think it's misguided, of course I would, um, the Bible says you never criticize a servant to their master. Mm. So I'm, I'm not going to come to him with a complaint about them because that's not my, it's not my job. My job is to honor them. And mm. they, are, they are called by God. I pray for the Lord to prosper them inside and out. Uh, one of the main things I pray for is that they would have a rich legacy, that their children, all their children would serve God, all their grandchildren that there would be this tremendous impact of their yes on the gospel mm. for their family line and, uh, and just pray and bless them. And uh, so I mention them by name. Uh, I go through my list. Uh, I have it memorized. <laughs> now with a new one. So at the tail end, I get to add somebody. Um, but just uh, sincerely, to, just to pray for God's kindness and favor on them. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be found the accuser of someone, because the one in charge of accusing is is not a good person to work for. Mm. So, Pastor Bill, you know when you share that, I'm like, that's amazing. You're so strong, you know. But I'm also like, you're human too, so it's gotta hurt mm-hmm. at times when you read some of the things that people say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Never miss a chance to die. That's good. That's good. Wow. Mm. Is everybody just thinking about that right now? You're just like, Maybe we should just sit right here and take communion. Never miss a chance to die. Sometimes things hurt only because I'm protecting a part of my heart. If it were dead, it wouldn't hurt. Dead people feel no pain. And I'm crucified with Christ. And so, uh, I mean, there's the, there's the reality of, yeah, it, nobody likes to be opposed or criticized. And, 
you know, it can just send you on a, a tailspin, you know, where you're, you're wondering if you're coming or going. And I had one particular individual that uh, wrote uh, part of a book uh, against me. And, and I, I knew him, not close, but we were acquainted. Uh, and I had a, a mutual friend, a, a spiritual father in the country, uh, who's home with the Lord now, but he, wrote, he called me early Sunday morning. He said, do you know this is happening? I said, no, I've not heard. So he told me what was going on with this book that was about to be released. And, and uh, so I had his email address, so I wrote him, and I thanked him for writing against me. I said, where, where we want to go in God is oftentimes against adverse winds. So you can sail against the wind if you use your rudder and sail correctly. So your confession and your heart attitude, if you, if you maneuver it correctly, you can advance. And so I thanked him for writing that up about me because he gave me a chance to go where I really want to go. Mm. And that if, if I can navigate this season correctly, I'll advance in the kingdom. And that's really what I want. What I want is on the other side of adverse winds. So I, I sincerely thanked him. Wow. And uh, it started a dialogue. Actually, he's a very, very integrous man, so I, I won't mention who it is, but honestly, one of the most integrous men I've ever met. But just our theologies, you know, he just felt the need to try to correct some things. So... Um, so we corresponded for a couple months, pretty often. And by the time it was done, he, uh, he, he repented. And he, mm. and he said, uh, he says, I'm not changing my theology, but I'm changing my approach. And, and, he, and he changed the chapter. And I ended up endorsing the book. <laughs> it's a true, true story. <clears throat> True story, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, you, you can't, you don't control what people do. You know, God's my defender. So if He doesn't defend me, I'm not worth defending. If I defend me, it'll just make a mess, a bigger mess. So, that's sometimes that's a hard thing to know what to do. I, at what point do you explain? At what point do you stay silent? You know. I, when this started for me 40-some years ago, I sat across the table from a guy that uh, the day before the Lord warned me, he was a wonderful man, but he warned me that he was about to lay into me. And I was reading a Lamentations, and he said, give your cheek to the smiter, put your face in the dust, perhaps there's hope. I was reading that, and I knew, oh no, that's my lunch appointment tomorrow. <laughs> and I, and I, I knew it, honestly, I knew it, that I, I was in trouble. And the next day, a lunch appointment sat down, and sure enough, and it was rough. But because the Lord warned me to stay silent, I couldn't respond, which made him even more, more angry. And so I, all I did was uh, when we would have communion at church, I would go to him and break bread with him. I would call him on New Year's Day, wish him New Year, Happy New Year. Anything I could do to make that thing die. And uh, after a year, he came to me, he said, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, you were right. I'm so sorry. It took a year, but just a year to, you know, just 
um, to do my best just to honor him for who he was. Yeah. You want to pray for us before we close out? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah. I don't mind praying here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> let, me, let me share a thought before I pray. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been really moved by the fact that the Lord would want to use us that this whole concept of co-laboring is so central to the scripture that uh, in Genesis 1, <clears throat> he commissions Adam, then Adam and Eve, to be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. He can do everything better than us. He can preach better than us. He can pray for the sick better than us. He does everything better than we do. And what moves me is that when when it was time for the Christ child to be born, he sends Gabriel to tell Mary. You would think something that significant of a historic event, God would go himself and tell Mary. But he didn't. He sent Gabriel. Because he created Gabriel for that purpose. And he won't, he won't break the assignment and the gifting of an individual so that he can do something on his own. His whole delight is working through his creation. And so Gabriel's given the task of bringing a message and he won't violate his design to do it himself. And we have a certain thing that we've been given to do. He won't violate it to do it himself, even though he can do it better, more accurate, more powerful, more pure. He won't violate our assignment. We've been gifted and called for specific things. And his delight is in those who are responsible and do what they say. I, I've been moved for, by phrases in uh, like Proverbs. It says, the Lord delights in just waits. God gets happy when a butcher sells a pound of meat, accurately a pound, and he gets the right price for it. He delights the fact that it was an honest sale. So God actually enjoys certain processes that we have in life. He delights in them. He, he loves how ants function. And he tells us to watch them. So he's got, his, his storyline is written through all of creation. And every, every bit of it is powerful. Every bit of it is practical. Every bit of it is spiritual. And we were designed for a purpose. And when we make it about us, we think we're not qualified. When we keep it about him, we just know that he's more than enough. So, Father, I ask in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus that you would help us to be so aware of why we're on the planet. Yes. Who we are, who you say we are. Yes. Our connection to the Holy Spirit, that you would make that even more obvious for each of us this week, that we would come out of this event with a consciousness and awareness of the Spirit of God that, uh, that is greater than we've ever known before. 
and that you would help us to burn with our reason for being, burn with our passion for life, and that it would be continuously contagious. I thank you for victory. I thank you for your mark on this leadership team, on this house, on this ministry. But Lord, we are looking for the more. We're looking for the increase. We're looking for that deposit, that grace that takes us to a new level, not to become famous or or anything of that nature, but to actually have impact on the course of history, to actually have impact on cities, states, and nations. And I pray that for us, that you would help us as a people to say amen in our heart of hearts to whatever it is you say that we were assigned to do. I pray that for this body of believers, and that you'd help us to do it with with great humility and great power, that we could display the love of Jesus at every turn of the road. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.